Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity, this incredible opportunity for Brooke this morning. We ask that you help us do something with it and that she would do something incredible with it. In your name we pray, amen. So you heard me say and you heard Pastor Sung say that today's a really important day for our church because we're going to commission our first ever young adult volunteer in ministry. She's not just the first young adult volunteer in ministry from Kirkwood. She is the first one in the entire Peace River Presbytery of which our church is a part. And so, Brooke, you don't know this, but you have been on the prayer list of the Presbytery. You have 37 churches that are praying for you as, as you do this. The Young Adult Volunteer Program is a program that is established by the larger church, by our denomination, sends young people out for a year of service all around the world. Brooke, who was originally going to go to Chinook, Montana, has been rerouted, and she is being sent to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, I kind of laughed about that a little bit this week because my kids, my, my youngest one, has just been introduced to High School Musical, we went through that, that period with my oldest. Now I'm reliving the joy um, eight years later. But that, that, that movie takes place in Albuquerque. And so, uh, Brooke, you have been on our hearts and, and in our prayers. Uh, the thing that we have to remember about Brooke going, though, is that she's not going by herself. She's going on behalf of all of us. She represents this church. She is our Western outpost, if you will. And since she's going to be our representative out there, it seems like today would be a really good day for us to talk as a church about who we are when we go out into the world in mission, who we represent, and what that representation looks like in our mission field, because, because you are on the mission field. So here's the first reality that I want us all to address this morning. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ and you have, you have decided that he is your Lord and Savior and that you are going to follow him, then every single day of your life is on the mission field. And if you are not out there on the field, then you are the harvest, which means that if you are at this point in your spiritual journey and you truly confess Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and you are following him, then no matter what you wake up to do tomorrow, you are on the mission field. And that's important to remember because when, often when we send out mission teams, we send them to places like Belize and Jamaica and New Orleans and New Jersey, we send them out with specific instructions. We call that commissioning. And we remind them that they represent us and that they represent Jesus Christ in the world. The reality is you represent Jesus Christ every single day. And so today is a good day to remind ourselves of this most excellent way that the Apostle Paul gives us to pursue mission in our daily lives. When we think about mission, we, we tend to think of it in terms of collections and service. But there is a greater mission, and that mission is to share the good news of the gospel. That is our primary mission, and to demonstrate the love of Christ, which sounds good, right? But what does that look like 
in, in real life where we all live. Almost 20 years ago, I was, I was out on a mission trip with a group of middle school students in a place called Jaeger, West Virginia. So there we are. This is Kathy's old church, actually. It's one of those parts, Jaeger is, is one of those parts of Appalachia that reminds you really quick that we have a third world country right here in our first world country. There had been a tremendous flood that spring, and my group was assigned to a family that lived up a hill in what's called a holler. Do you all know what a holler is? Holler doesn't have a street name. Holler is what you find when you go over the creek behind three rocks and then through the broken trees. That's how you get to a holler. And so we got up at 7 a.m. that Monday. We drove ourselves out to the holler, and we had to park almost a mile away from the house because the road had been completely washed out in a mudslide. So I'm about to give you a visual that will be printed in your brains forever. Get ready for this. I want you to picture your pastor in her much, much younger years carrying a handsaw, I do know what one is, and a cooler with lunches in it with a tool belt around her waist and eight middle schoolers in tow. And we are trying to climb up the side of this mud-covered hill. And what we noticed about a half hour into this attempt, and attempt is a good word, that that the neighbors were coming out on the front porch to watch this whole thing. And all week long, all week long, it just took us almost about an hour to get from the base to the house. And by the time that you arrived, so now we're talking no more than 9 o'clock in the morning, you are already covered in mud before you even pick up a hammer. All week long, we've been putting in these eight-hour days, Stopping only for peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. If you ever go on a mission trip, you should know peanut butter and jelly is what we eat. All the time, anytime, every time. Peanut butter and jelly, every day, never changes. So we came, we came back to the central camp, and everybody took a shower. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, she's going to tell us it was cold. No, that's not what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you it was freezing. And... And it was freezing because we built it. We built the shower, and it was on the outside of the building, and it was some weird combination of wood pallets and tarp and PVC pipe, and it came right out of the hose, right out of the building. So <clears throat> that was okay, though, that freezing shower, because the building itself had no air condition. It was an elementary school that had actually been condemned, so they weren't going to actually let real people stay there, just the mission team. And, um, and each night, each night, the girls would lie on the floor of, of an elementary school classroom just, just baking in, in that heat. So it, it was a long week, but I have to tell you that I, I felt confident confident that we were showing those people in Jaeger the love of God. There was just love of God all over the place. And I was just determined that, that I was going to be the one to lead this charge with the love of God. And that was until Thursday rolled along. Because it had been another long, very hot day and a series of long hot days. And about this point, I realized that this was number three of five trips I was leading this summer, and this was going to go on forever, and there was no end in sight. So 
we're laying there on the floor, we turn out the lights. Now, I realize that most of you do not have a lot of experience doing trips with middle school girls. But middle school girls, there is a process to the bedtime routine. You turn off the lights and they talk. And then you turn off the lights and then they talk some more. And, and then you turn on the lights and you threaten them with an inch of their life and they talk some more. And this goes on. This is like a long, lengthy process. Well, finally, we, we were headed to bed and, and the lights were off and I felt sure that this was the one. This is the one that's going to take. We're quiet. We're going to make it. Everybody's going out. The girl right next to me lets out a blood-curdling scream that can be held, heard around the world. And the next thing I know, I feel something crawl across my face. It was a bat. It was a baby bat. Well, the bat extraction effort lasted over an hour, and now it was eight, about 11.30 p.m., and I am surrounded by a group of middle school girls. Thing to know, you ever let a bat loose in a group of middle school girls, even if you extract it, they are certain it will come back, that it will find its way back. And so they decided this is an excellent opportunity, God's way of saying we should stay up even longer. So... So they just kept talking and talking, talking, keeping watchful eye for this rogue bat. By the way, bat was like this big. He was super cute once you saw him. But um, they just decided to keep talking and talking and talking. And so about 1.30 in the morning, 1.30 in the morning, um, your pastor on a mission trip, stuck in the heat, covered in mud, and probably now bat dropping, subsisting on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, completely and totally lost it. It was, it was bad. There was screaming, there was yelling, there was crying, all mine, all mine. There were, there were threats about who wants to meet Jesus tonight, face to face. And, and probably if I had been allowed to keep going, I would have landed myself in permanent anger management classes. We had come to show the love of Christ to the people of Jaeger. But somehow, we forgot, I forgot to show the love of Christ to my primary mission field. You can go on all the mission trips that you want, but God's mission calls you to something higher and much harder. It is the most excellent way, and Paul shows it here in 1 Corinthians. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move, remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all of my possessions and subsist on peanut butter and jelly for a week, and if I hand over my body to the muddy hill so that I may boast and talk about it in a sermon years later, but I do not have love, then I am nothing. Paul says that, that you can do all kinds of things, all kinds of things under the guise of being a follower of Christ. You can teach in the children's ministry. You can give a year as a young adult in mission. You can build a house with habitat. You can go visit somebody in the hospital. But if you do it without love, then it is nothing. To be clear, Paul is not saying that you have to love everything that you do. If you're a working person, there are probably parts of your job that you do not love. But Paul is saying 
that if you're following Christ and you are representing him, then whatever it is that you're going to do, you do it with love. And he elaborates on these attributes of love, starting in verse 4. And what I want you to do here, see as I'm reading this part, if you can count all of the ways that I ran afoul of love on the middle school mission trip. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. And as for tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, it will come to an end. If you are on a mission for God, God who is the definition of love, then you need to pack all of the things that Paul is talking about here. Patience needs even more space than your work boots in mission because life doesn't always go as planned. There is a reason why Brooke is not going to Chinook. She is going to Albuquerque. They are on radically different parts of the country. You have to be patient with that. Even better, people don't always behave the way that you want them to behave. And if you are going to be part of the church, not just Kirkwood, but any church, if you are going to be part of the body of Christ, you have to understand that apart from Jesus himself, none of us are perfect, and we are going to have moments where we are going to let each other down. Be patient, especially in mission. You are going to have to give a ton of it, and you might have to wait a very long time for it to return to you. Give it anyway. Now, being patient and being kind are not the same thing. Kindness needs its own space in your mission toolbox. Kindness is not just being friendly. It's being generous and being considerate of others. And usually that's going to mean not always getting your way. In mission, that looks a lot like taking care of your space and your stuff so it doesn't get all over everybody else's space and everybody else's stuff. It's about understanding that when the sandwich tray comes out at your big business meeting, that you might be eating egg salad so that your employees can have the roast beef. It's about showing up at the time that's agreed upon every time out of respect for the other person's time. Now, that's going to take up a lot of space in your mission toolbox, so there's some things that you don't need to pack with you. You don't need space in your mission plans for envy or for arrogance or rudeness. Nothing discredits the witness of a Christian mission team than to see them acting like complete jerks in the airport en route to their destination wearing their church t-shirt. Check it out. Summertime is a great time to see the church being very hypocritical. Mission is all around you. It is not just in some distant location. If you are not treating every day like a mission field, then I'm going to remind you once again, you are part of the harvest. Love doesn't insist on its own way, and it's not irritable or resentful. Our God is a super creative God. He was creative enough to make you one of a kind. But make no mistake about this, he created you 
for his purposes, not yours. So that means that we're not all going to do mission the same way. And that's okay. There are people in this congregation who, who embrace mission by investing in, in grade level reading. And there are others who embrace their mission by weaving it into their business and into their places of work. And there are still others who share in mission by quietly visiting people in the hospital and in nursing homes. And none of these things, none of these things are mission unto themselves. They are just facets of the main mission of which all of the followers of Jesus Christ have been called, and that is to proclaim the good news. So your way is not the only way, and there's no need for us to be looking around at each other and being irritable and being resentful about what somebody else is doing. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. I want you to replace the word love with God. God is love. God does not rejoice in wrongdoing. He rejoices in the truth. There is nothing to celebrate when somebody does something wrong. And sometimes our temptation is, is to get a little bit happy when, when somebody does something and screws up and we have so clearly told them that this was going to happen. It's really hard to resist that temptation that says, I told you so, told you so. God gets no joy from our mistakes because God already knows that there's consequences. And sometimes those consequences break the heart of God. So instead, God rejoices in the truth. And the truth is this, that our God is a God of grace, a God of forgiveness, and a God of redemption. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness so that evil is exposed and truth gets lifted up. So when the sheep go astray, when one sheep goes astray, we don't rejoice in that. We rejoice when that one is brought back into the fold. Now here's the last part on that. Love bears, believes, hopes, and endures, endures all things. There is not a fully functioning grown adult on the planet who could bear the weight of middle school girls in the heat of a West Virginia summer in a mudslide without love. Right? I know that sometimes you think, gosh, Hope and Sung, they're, they're a little crazy. Who's going to do this kind of stuff with kids? It's not craziness, it's love. And I did drop the ball that night. I absolutely dropped the ball that night. There's no rejoicing in that. But here's the thing. Because of love, because of the love that I genuinely had for the kids and that they had for me, they could easily, easily believe that their pastor was just coming out of a place of sheer exhaustion. And they had no trouble hoping that with a few hours sleep, I would return to being a decent human being again. And until that time, we were all going to endure one another for the duration. Love makes that happen because God knows that we're not perfect people. And so his love covers a multitude of our sins. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. Brooke, hear me so clearly on this. 
Church, hear me so clearly on this. No matter what we do on this side of glory or how much we do or how much we give or how many hours we put in or how many different agencies we work with, unless we do it from a place of love, love as it is defined in the scriptures, it is worthless. It will not endure because all of the rest of it, the meals, the homework help for children, the visits to the nursing home, the boxes for Operation Christmas Child, one day, all of that is going to come to an end. But love, the kind of love that is rooted in the love of God in Jesus Christ, the kind that, that has a unique mission to share, will be instilled in the hearts of people, and that will never end. It will endure forever. So when you wake up tomorrow morning and your feet hit the floor, doesn't matter if it's here in Bradenton, Albuquerque, Algeria, makes no difference. When your feet hit the floor tomorrow morning, you're on the mission field. Every one of us is going to go about that in a very different way. No matter which way you choose, choose to do it in love because that's the only mission that will endure. Let's pray together. Holy God, we confess that, that sometimes we do quote-unquote mission out of obligation, out of guilt, out of some weird, deluded sense of ourselves that we're going to save the world. Help us to have a humility about our service. Help us to keep it rooted in love. Remind us that if we can't do what we're doing from a place of love, we probably shouldn't be doing it at all because we are your representatives. And so we pray, Lord, that we would carry that responsibility wisely and well. Be with us now as we break the bread and we share in the cup. Sustain your people. Equip them for the mission field that lies in front of them. In your name we pray. Amen.